Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Equipping You podcast. This is season one, episode eight, the final episode of this first season. I'm Terry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, church planning leader for the Alliance in Eastern Pennsylvania. Yes, indeed. My former home and where my grandchildren live, one of my favorite places in America. So this is the season finale, Alan. I think we should probably do some kind of cliffhanger, do you think? Uh, There's plenty of opportunity for that in Colorado Springs. That is a good point. I don't really like hanging off of cliffs, however. And uh, with us today is our good friend and producer, AJ, who has stuck with us through the entire first season in spite of our inability to speak clearly into microphones. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge, but glad to be here. Thanks for for being up to the challenge. So... um, Today, another uh, great guest uh, coming on the sure do. E- Equipping You podcast, Mitch Kim. I'm getting to know him uh, and really enjoying getting to know him. He's got a great heart for the Lord and church, the church. And uh, why are you excited about having him on today, huh? Well, I'm excited because the alliance uh, in the U.S. is 43% non-majority culture, which is really encouraging to me to be part of that alliance family. Amen. And Mitch, as the pastor of Wellspring Alliance Church in Wheaton, uh, brings a lot of understanding in that area. So I think it's going to be great to have him share with our alliance family. All right. So uh, probably podcast listeners are saying, enough with Alan and Terry. Let's yeah, get are. to Mitch. So here we go. Uh, a great opportunity to uh, talk with Mitch Kim. So it's our pleasure to uh, welcome Mitch Kim to Equipping You Podcast. Uh, Mitch, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you doing? It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, we're doing well. So uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. We're going to start with a very, very meaningful question because Alan and I are both baseball fans. So you live in uh, uh, close uh, proximity to the windy city of Chicago. Cubs, White Sox, or do not care? Go Cubs, go! Go okay. Cubs, go! Yeah, Cubs, Cubs, <laughs> Cubs fans care really deeply. So uh, interesting. Have you been to Wrigley? Of course. Okay, I'm All jealous. Right. I'm coming sometime, and we're going to go together. Okay. Great. So uh, a lot of our Alliance listeners, and there are others who aren't Alliance listeners, but a lot of our Alliance listeners remember you from uh, Council 2015 in Long Beach, uh, where you. Um, spoke in one of the evening messages and and, uh, did a great job in sharing God's Word. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your uh, background and uh, your ministry journey uh, to this point. Yeah, my father was an Alliance pastor and missionary. He uh, went to seminary in Southern California. We were at Bethel Korean Church in Irvine. Uh, We went to Japan in 1983. So I grew up in Japan. I was in fourth grade at the time, graduated high school there. I came to college at Wheaton um, and studied there. In 1994, I began serving at a local Alliance Korean immigrant church. 
And I just stayed there for um, almost 20 years. Uh, was there through my MDiv at Trinity, my PhD at Wheaton. Um, from that Korean immigrant church, we planted Living Water, a second generation sort of Asian American daughter church. And that church then merged with, um, that was 2011. And that church then merged with Blanchard Alliance Church, a largely Anglo church in 2015 to form Wellspring. We would love to hear about that merger because uh, I can imagine that was quite an adventure on the pathway to that. So tell us about the merger that produced Wellspring Church. Yeah, um, we merged in 2015 because we felt like we could reach the diversity of our area better together. You know, I noticed that the demographics of our area was rapidly changing. My daughter, I have three girls. Uh, one is 16, one's 14, one's eight. When my 16-year-old was in preschool, it was largely you know, ang- white kids, Anglo kids, and my, you know, Korean looking daughter, Korean daughter. And um, when my youngest daughter, who's now eight, was in preschool, it was almost half South Asian. And so the demographics of the area rapidly changed. And yet churches don't change as quickly as sort of areas can. And the many churches are struggling. A lot of churches were closing their doors. Uh, buildings were becoming, actually those church buildings were becoming mosques and Hindu temples. And so as we noticed that, we, as a pastor, I began to realize that it's not good enough for living water to reach people that look like us. We, as a church, capital C, need to think about what's going on in our area and how do we reach the increasing diversity of our area together. And out of that came conversations about the merger, which led to the merger so that we could maybe partner together to reach the increasing diversification of our area. Wow, that's a great story, and uh, taking that taking that initiative uh, for the kingdom is a beautiful thing. We're really grateful for that. So tell us, what were some of the challenges and blessings uh, of the merger journey? Yeah, a lot of challenges, a lot of blessings as well. Uh, first thing was that it really takes time, and you have to take time. Um, we knew uh, day one of the merger that our goal, our goal was not to try to make it as beautiful as possible on day one. Uh, often multi-ethnic sort of the multi-ethnic picture is more like a flower bouquet where you cut flowers from different sort of roots and you bring it together and look at how beautiful this multi-ethnic picture is. But the problem is that the best day is the first day because these different flowers, the different sort of cultural expressions of the beauty of Christ have been taken from different places. And then um, as you bring it together, uh, it's cut off from the roots so that after the first day, it slowly begins to wilt. It works great for conferences. It's a lot harder for churches. Hmm. Uh, We felt like with our merger, it was to be less of a flower bouquet and more of a graft where you really put a cut into two different things and you, and you bring it together and you're, you're trying to form a third reality that draws from the life of both. And that just takes time. It takes time for uh, the growth to happen, for the integration to happen. So we kind of outlined three stages of our merger. The first was just understanding the different backgrounds of the churches the second was learning to partner together. And the third then would be the integration, really 
allowing a, a unique uh, expression of the body come out of the merging of different cultures. So that was one of the challenges. Another challenge we faced was um, that we had to learn to sing more in harmony than just in unison. You know, a lot of times when you bring cultures together, it's more like a melting pot where you sort of boil everything down. It's a big mush. Um, I think more recently people talk about a salad bowl where you have different vegetables that taste differently and that's better, but then it's all unified with, you know, ranch dressing or brown sesame dressing or yellow honey mustard. And I think the key is how do we um, keep the different uh, harmonies of different cultures to be expressed and, 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 and learning to let each part sort of sing its part, but that in harmony together with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So those are the two sort of lessons that we've learned. Um, a lot of the cultural challenges, navigating different cultures, and the power dynamics between the cultures has really been a challenge that's demanded a lot of sensitivity and discernment as well. Oh. So what I'd be interested as a follow-up to that, Mitch, uh, in terms of diversity in your congregation, uh, What's that look like? What's that look like in the pew? What's that look like on the platform? What's that look like in your boardroom at this point? How have you brought all of that uh, together? Yeah, we've been very intentional with um, our governing board so that there's representation from all of the different backgrounds uh, in the pew. Um, I would say maybe now there's maybe 60% Anglo, uh, maybe 20, 30% Asian American, and then maybe 10, 20% other, I would guess. Um, and that reflects really the demographics of our area. Yeah. Uh, the leadership as well, we are, the governing board has Asian American and Anglo. Uh, we don't have an African American on our board right now we, we had one recently step off uh and our staff is also you know intentionally diverse as well it's not as diverse as i'd like um it's largely asian american and anglo but that's kind of our background that's kind of sort of where we've come from but uh in the pew it's it's fun to see a lot uh greater diversity uh, growing and i think we want that to be reflect, reflected in the leadership as we move on as well yeah what wonderful appreciate your leadership in that uh, mitch so you and I were involved in a team uh, several months ago that talked about uh, some of the challenges that exist uh, between cultures and uh, especially the whole issue of second-gen uh, leadership as that exists in non-majority cultures. What's that all about, and, and why does it seem to be such a challenge? Yeah, I mean, when you're in an immigrant church— um, it's a, it's a big challenge. Uh, I often feel that a youth pastor in an immigrant church has to think more like a church planter than a, just a youth pastor because the barriers of culture and language between the first generation are so stark. And so when I began serving, I was a junior in college serving in the Korean immigrant church. It was sort of like the Korean immigrant ministry is so busy with their own immigrant ministry that we were really left to our own to do our own thing. And so I had to really think as a youth, like not just a youth pastor care for youth, 
But as a church planter, how do you contextualize the gospel? How do you reach people? How do you create structures and forms for uh, these young people and then college students and then young adults and adults, married families? How do you cultivate them? But the challenge is that there's not a lot of resources, not a lot of mentors out there for you. And so you often feel like a church planter without much support uh, trying to figure out uh, how to reach people in a new context. Yeah. Wow. I was wondering if you could uh, maybe, if you were going to say one thing to say the first generation uh, and how they look at the second generation and then flip that, what would you say the second generation coming up as they're trying to figure out, you know, Christianity and ministry looks like for them? Uh, if I was to say one thing to the first generation, it'd be thank you. Um, wow, that's I really great. feel like the immigrant generation has, with great sacrifice, with great prayer, uh, with great love, have established strong churches across the United States. Um, the rates of immigrants participating in churches in America are much higher than many of their home nations. And that, because, that comes because a lot of the sacrificial leadership of our first generation leadership. I'm so grateful uh, for their leadership. Uh, with that, um, you know, I always long for the first generation to um, help the second generation uh, rise up with the same kind of courage and faith and sacrifice with which the uh, first generation has, has really lived out their faith. And um, and yet it's going to look different. And so, uh, you know, the need for the second generation from the first generation would be that understanding, would be that release, would be that uh, prayerful blessing. It's like the arms of Moses upheld so that Joshua might have victory over the Amalekites. I think that's the, the blessing that the second generation needs. I think for the second generation, when I'm talking to second generation, I, I, I think I, I always like to say two things. One is, uh, you know, don't go it alone. Um, there is a, a spiritual inheritance and blessing that comes from the first generation that's really important. But two, also, um, you know, just do the work. I mean, make disciples, um, you know. Preach the word uh, in season, out of season, pray. And, and often there are a lot of challenges in second generation ministry that I know very intimately and very personally. But we can let the challenges then um, get in the way of us just sort of doing the work. And I, I really feel that if as we do the work and as we make disciples, that the opportunities for that, the structures will follow the quality of the work that is cultivated. And, and that's sort of been my journey as well. Well, I appreciate that insight, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, on our last episode, we talked to Kelvin Walker uh, about kind of the state of diversity in the Alliance and um, asked him the question where he has seen uh, progress and uh, then the second question of where uh, we still need to make progress as, uh, you know, as the Alliance movement, and probably what's true in the Alliance is true across the board in evangelical churches. I'd be interested in, in your perspective on that. What progress do you see that you're celebrating? 
And uh, what words of uh, encouragement would you have for us to say, hey, we still need to talk about these things and we still need to work through these things? Yeah, um, I'm really proud to be part of the Alliance. Um, you know, I was ordained in 2000 and, you know, my, my father became part of the Alliance 83 when we were sent to Japan as missionaries. I am proud of how there is so many ethnic groups that are part of the Alliance. I think that's pretty rare in denominations, the level of diversity that we have, the, the way that we've uh, developed church planting and, and reaching people from many, many different groups, having that missionary mentality, not only around the world, but across the street. I'm you know, really, really proud of that. And I'm grateful for the structures that we have in order to support that. And I, I'm grateful for the cultural competence a lot of a lot of, of the senior leaders in the alliance. And I think a lot of the missionary background um, of the alliance re- relates to that. But I think there's a there's a great degree of cultural competence there. So I think there are challenges. I think that it would be great to develop more types of resources to reach more types of people. You know, I think of a great conference, for example, like the Life Conference, great uh, opportunity for our youth to catch a vision of who God it is, who God is and what God is doing around the world. But, you know, from what I've heard, it's, you know, largely from the Anglo churches from a lot of for a lot of different reasons. But right. how do we take and, and, and pour some of those resources to bless our uh, ethnic churches and and really support the young people who really have a really lack a lot of resources yeah. and then how do we encourage how, how can our senior leadership uh, in the alliance not only be aware of but reflect a lot of the diversity that we have uh, as a church and I think that's a big uh, challenge for us as we move forward yeah thanks good observation so if you looked at the uh, dream, if you could picture the alliance, let's say 10 years from now, or maybe even 15 if you need to stretch it out farther, what do you hope to see uh, in terms of uh, this diversity and how it's cooperating together? I'd love to see lots of different kinds of churches flourishing in lots of different kinds of ways. You know, when I'm at a Chinese uh, church, for example, I'm struck by how different it feels than a, a Korean church. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think there's unique facets of the beauty of Christ that's reflected in the Chinese uh, church and in the Chinese American church, than in the Korean American church, than in the Hmong American church, than in the Anglo church, than the African American church. And I, I really want us to cultivate these different sort of voices, but then also learn how do we bring these together? As I was talking about sort of different models, there's a melting pot model of multi-ethnicity, salad bowl model of multi-ethnicity. I really like the choral model of multi-ethnicity where the differences are not flattened out so that we sing in unison, but the differences come together so that with one voice, we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. as Romans 15, verse 6. And the key for that 
is that different eth- different ethnic groups, different cultural backgrounds, different types of churches really need to find their voice and that then together it's not being one voice in unison but one voice with different parts then harmonizing to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in a unique way. So I think church-wide, we have a great opportunity to nurture those voices with different types of structures, but then also finding ways for those voices, for more graphs to happen, for more uh, integration to happen, so that we are learning from one another and building upon the different uh, cultural goods that different churches might carry in order to bring that into the wider body of Christ. I really appreciate your metaphor uh, for a choral metaphor for the diversity. I've heard the salad bowl one. Of course, the melting pot's older. My question is, um, what are some of the voices that are singing in your song? And how is your community hearing your song? Um, that's a great, great question. We uh, had a potluck recently. We called it Taste of Wellspring. <laughs> so we had uh, different people from different backgrounds bring foods from their backgrounds. We got to eat it together. It was a great uh, feast, but um, we also then had people share about their worship experiences growing up, and we got to experience that as well. So we had a uh, Kristen, an African American sister, talk about a participatory and expressive worship, and, and why that's such a a beautiful expression. You see it throughout the Bible: "Clap your hands, all you nations," and and just that the, the beauty and the power of getting your whole body into worship. David being more undignified than this. And we had an African-American sister talk about that. We had one of our, Cheryl, an Anglo sister, talk about the power of silence and how we often just are talking and, and always saying and filling the air with noise. But for her, a critical moment in her formation was just being silent before the Lord, being still and knowing that he is God. We had Stefan and a Korean American brother talk about one voice prayer and the, and the passion and the energy and the, and the chorus of, of sort of passionate prayer that's uh, raised up before the Lord. And, and we, you know, with each of these, we, we, we talked about how they formed us in the past. And then we experimented. We, we did it together. And we do it together as a church. And the beautiful thing is that each of these, even one voice prayer in Acts 4, they lifted their voices with one voice before the Lord, together before God. They're not just a cultural sort of expression, they're all in scripture. They're all biblical. It's all different facets of the glory of Christ. But often we myopically get focused on the way I've always done things and we miss out on different expressions of the body of Christ. You know, I, I like to say that the homogenous unit principle where we reach people who look like us is great for evangelism, but disastrous for discipleship <laughs> because wow. we, we need other people um to help us see different facets of, of Jesus. And as I'm hanging out with my African-American brothers and sisters, I'm seeing something I didn't see before. As I'm learning and getting to know some of my Anglo brothers and sisters, I, I, I'm seeing things about Jesus I didn't see before. And it's only together that we get to see all the glorious facets of, of, of who Jesus Christ is. That yeah. is a fantastic statement. Yeah, it was wonderful. So last question, Mitch. We got pastors and leaders out there listening uh, to the Equipping You podcast who are in churches that have been around uh, for years and decades, and they are predominantly majority culture churches, or maybe even all 
the majority culture churches, just, just an Anglo church, but their community has changed over the last several years so that, you know, they're an Anglo church island in the middle of a sea of diversity. What counsel would you give to that pastor, those leaders, as to how they can begin to reach people for Christ who are in their community, who need Christ, who may not look like them, maybe different culture? What what counsel would you give? Yeah, I think it's so important to open up our eyes to see that the fields are ripe unto harvest. Mm-hmm. What an opportunity God is giving to us as the nations are at our doorstep and as um, there's so much uh, change that's going on around us. This is a wonderful opportunity uh, for the church of Jesus Christ. And so as we open our eyes, we build relationships. Uh, next door to our church is a very small African-American church. And on Sunday, as I was leaving church, I saw that there are a bunch of people, you know, they're, they're leaving church as well. And so I pulled over and I, I, I went in and I just talked to some of the members and talked to, they have a new pastor. I got to meet the pastor, just building a relationship with him. And then I noticed that one of, uh, they don't have blacktop in their parking lot. And one of the churches was stuck, uh, one of the cars was stuck in the mud. And so I was like, hey, let's do this. And so, you know, me and the pastor and another one of the church members, we pushed this church. We're all dressed up in Sunday clothes. We pushed the <laughs> church, pushed the car that is out of the mud. And we're just sort of getting dirty together. And it was a wonderful moment that, hey, we are the body of Christ. Amen. And I'm not going to just draw. I mean, if that was one of somebody from Wallspring, I would have pulled over. I would have done the same thing. Just because they come from a different church, just because they come from a different ethnic background, it doesn't mean that I just drive past them. But stop, pull over, get to know, jump in, and then, of course, pray. You know, Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And I've really found that as I've prayed for the area my eyes began to change. I began to Good see word. things I didn't see before. And I think it's so critical that we begin to have the heart of God for our own area. Because then as we pray, we have that heart. As we love, as we see, we step in. And then we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and in a very unique way. This is a great opportunity for the church in our area. And I just hope that we as an Alliance Church, we step in. We have a great heritage. We have a missionary God who Amen. sent his own son into the world. And we are called to go not only across the world, but across the street. And this is a great moment for us as an Alliance family to take hold of our missionary heritage and live it out in our own communities. We've done a great job around the world. How are we going to do across the street? This is a great opportunity for us. Preach. Uh, that that Preach. is wonderful uh, information and inspiration that you've given us. And that you've asked some great questions and made some great points. And so uh, this is this is a day of opportunity. And uh, we are to uh, step into that opportunity and step across barriers, take some risks, be courageous enough to build some relationships that may not feel comfortable to us initially, but uh, that will be of great value uh, to us and to the body of Christ in the end. Mitch, thanks for your leadership there. Church mergers are tricky enough, even when they're uh, two churches of the same culture. So uh, what you're doing is particularly challenging, but God is using you in great ways. And we appreciate your leadership. You're an emerging leader in our movement and uh, grateful for the for the time that you took today to uh, to speak with us 
So uh, God bless you, my brother. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you. Absolutely. An honor to be with you too, my friend. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never believe what happened at the end of this uh, episode. We uh, allowed Alan to go out to the uh, men's room and he never came back. Couldn't find his way back to the uh, (laughs) studio. And so actually we had a little bit of technical difficulty. So we're recording this uh, uh, conclusion a few days later. But what a great episode with uh, Mitch Kim. Huh, Alan? What would you think? It sure was. You know, I had plenty of time to process uh, Mitch's episode while I was my way back to Pennsylvania. And I think the thing I appreciate the most is that he's digging in and doing the difficult work of bringing cultures together. And what's beautiful about it, it, it's the gospel itself that makes that possible in Christ. And uh, he makes that clear. And I'm very thankful for that. Amen. Well, uh, not wanting for this podcast to be canceled at the end of the first season, do you think people should continue listening, Alan? Well, I think they'll want to continue listening, Terry. Uh, And I think that they can share that with their friends. That would be super. They should like it and uh, give it a good review on wherever they listen to the podcast and share it with their friends. Uh, That's a really great thing to do for your friends and for the podcast. We'd appreciate it. And we do appreciate you listening. Hope you found today's episode helpful. Until next time, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.